Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Findlay Mayor Christina Mern and Economic Development Director Tim Miley recall the successes and challenges of the past 12 months and talk about what's ahead in the year to come. Also this morning, after months of social isolation, has your child forgotten how to behave around other people? We have strategies to help avoid awkward and uncomfortable issues at your upcoming family gatherings. And it's time to start thinking about your New Year's resolutions. We have advice to get you started on that goal of getting active and into shape for 2022. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, December 23rd, 2021. Three hundred fifty-seventh day of 2021. There are eight days remaining in the year and just a couple of days left until Christmas. Are you ready for the Christmas holiday? It does seem it does seem that Americans in general uh, are unusually prepared for the holidays. Uh, it it seems that we heard those early warnings of supply chain issues and maybe delivery backlogs and all of that. And we got the message loud and clear. And most of us heeded the warnings, uh, got our shopping done early, got their packages off in plenty of time. A report in the New York Times says the U.S. Postal Service, UPS and FedEx all report significantly improved delivery times over last year with the USPS and UPS on time with 99% of their deliveries, FedEx 97% on time delivery within the first two weeks after Thanksgiving. And so it appears that we are in pretty good shape. I don't know about you, but uh, I have to say I uh, I think I'm good. I think I'm good to go. By the way, today is Festivus. It's a festivus for the rest of us. Uh, and today is the day. It is also human light. Human light, which is the winter holiday for humanists. So happy human light to you. National, National uh, Fuffernews Day. Fuffernews Day. Fuffernews. Those are these uh, those small uh, cookies that originated in and are still very popular in Central Europe. Associated with Christmas, you've probably seen those, the Fuffer News Day today. Uh, maybe you didn't know what they were called, but they're Fuffer News. Um, National Regifting Day. Uh, fess up. Have you ever done that? Have you ever regifted something to someone else? And uh, National Roots Day to celebrate our her- family heritage uh, today. So. The reasons to celebrate today. So it is no secret that COVID-19 infections have been ramping up once again in recent weeks. It has certainly been in the news. And this apparently is causing some people to back out of their holiday plans. Eurocontrol, which is the aviation body in Europe, reports that since the Omicron emergence in late November, air travel across the continent had been at around 75 percent of 2019 levels but no shows 
are now at about 20%. 20% of people are just not showing up for their flights. People, they say, don't want to take the risk. The corporate strategy director of Manchester Airports Group, Paul Willis, says pre-Omicron, we were at about 70% of pre-COVID passenger levels. And we've seen that dramatically reduce now because of the testing regime in place. Uh, see, he says they are down at 45% of pre-COVID levels now. So they went from 70% of where they were before all of this started down to 45%. So a big dip. Many airlines are uh, once again expected to slash their capacity in the new year due to the ongoing travel confusion and last-minute travel bans and all of that. Now, that was Europe that we're talking about there, and that's uh, that I happen to see. But uh, I would imagine that it is not altogether different in this country. I don't know if we've got those kind of levels going from 70% of pre-COVID levels down to 45%, or that we have 20% no-shows. But I would have to think there's probably... A significant number of those. I don't know. The other thing that I don't know is how flexible the airlines are these days with respect to changes in travel plans or cancellation of travel plans. You remember back at the height of the pandemic, they were a little bit more lenient with their change fees, eliminating those or... uh, allowing people to get refunds for canceled trips. But then when we got to the summertime, this past summer and travel demand was spiking, those that leniency went away. I don't know how they're handling it now, but kind of interesting. Goes with the holiday travel season upon us. Um, here's another holiday item. I thought this was kind of interesting. Google has released a list of the most searched for Christmas cookies in each state. The most searched for Christmas cookies, state by state. And uh, let's see. Ohio, the most searched for Christmas cookie is the snowball cookie, a round butter cookie covered in powdered sugar. That is the Uh, Most searched for Christmas cookie in Ohio and in Michigan, incidentally. Ohio and Michigan agree on Christmas cookies, apparently. Uh, West Virginia, uh, looking for chocolate cookies. I guess any cookie made with chocolate. The most searched for cookie among all states was Italian style. Um, Italian style cookies like biscotti and uh, things like that. Peppermint and sugar cookies were the uh, next most uh, searched for Christmas cookies. I don't know. Is that, I'm guessing they're referencing cookie recipes and all of that. My recipe for Christmas cookies, go out and get the uh, frozen kind. The, <laughs> the Pillsbury cookie dough or the GFS uh, cookie dough is really, really good. They make really good uh, Christmas cookies. So that's my recipe. <laughs> I don't know what people are looking for specifically, but that that's how I do it anyway. A uh, couple of other uh, interesting stories. Among the first things you need to know this morning, some sad news. 
A woman believed to be the oldest person in the world ever has now passed away at the age of 135. 135. She claimed to have been born on June 25th, 1886 in Western China. And apparently there are records of her getting married in 1903. So whether 1886 was her actual birth date or not, birth year or not, we're not really sure. But there, I guess there is documentation she got married in 1903. Her age was officially recognized by the China Association of Gerontology and Geriatrics. She is survived by 43 grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Lived in a village that is known for its longevity. Many residents in this uh, Chinese village live well into their 90s. But even by those standards, uh, she was kind of the grand dame of the uh, village, 135 years old. The uh, oldest, believed to be the oldest living person in history, has now passed away. So some sad news there. And, uh, oh, a follow-up to... A story that we talked about earlier in the week, I think it was, or maybe it was late last week we mentioned this, that the time capsule underneath the statue of Confederate General Robert E. Lee in Richmond, Virginia, has been located. You remember when they took the statue down, there were the reports in the news that there was supposedly a time capsule that was uh, placed inside the statue or the base of the statue, but when they initially took it down, they couldn't find it. And then they did find it. Now they have opened it. So the mystery of what is inside has been solved. It's been there for 134 years and took about five hours to open on Wednesday. I guess over the years, it had sealed shut and I would imagine rather delicate so you don't want to damage whatever it is that's inside so you got to be very careful about this a conservation team found inside three books one being an almanac from the year 1875 interesting they also pulled out a cloth envelope and a silver coin and that's all it says there was a rumor that supposedly there was a photograph of President Lincoln in his coffin it doesn't say whether that was actually recovered. So maybe that was just an urban legend. I don't know. But they found an almanac, 1875 almanac, a couple of other books, a cloth envelope, and a silver coin. Governor Ralph Northam called it an important and exciting day for the history of the Commonwealth. So they found it in the uh, pedestal of the, uh, of the statue. So now we know what... Uh, what was inside? Mystery solved. So just a uh, follow-up on the uh, story that we were talking about uh, a few days ago. And I think that's it. Oh, no, I, I actually did see this. I thought it was kind of interesting. You can chew on this. Among the first things you need to know, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. And are you on Santa's nice list or naughty list? Be honest now. Apparently, there is some gray area in all of this. It seems people tend to judge lies of omission more leniently than lies of commission. You know, when we say lies of omission, that's where you leave out important information. You don't really tell a fib. You just don't tell the whole truth. 
Like, for example, my wife says, did they come and collect the trash? And I say, yeah, the trash man came by about an hour ago. But I don't tell her that I neglected to put out the trash. (laughs) I mean, she's really asking, did they come and get our trash? But that's not what she asked, and I'll (laughs) respond accordingly and just leave out that little tidbit. That's a lie of omission. So apparently we are, people are more likely to forgive lies of omission versus lies of commission where you are outright outright fibbing. Uh, In this uh, research, and I'm not sure who did the research, it doesn't say in this uh, report, but they found specifically that both uh, adults and children showed that omission bias in their moral judgments determining that lies of commission are morally worse than lies of omission. Adults uh, tolerated lies of omission that were told to benefit the self better than lies of omission that were told to benefit others. And they were also more tolerant of lies told to conceal deliberate transgressions compared to lies told to conceal accidental transgressions. Interesting. Researchers uh, say this study shows that uh, moral judgments about lying do gradually change as people grow up. And since the study makes adults aware of the influence of bias, it will be possible to improve children's morality concerning lies. What I read that into that is that there's a lot of gray area in that naughty and niceness kind of thing. Anyway, something interesting to chew on there. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Thursday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly to mostly cloudy today with a high of 43, mostly cloudy tonight, a low of 37. This week, Ohio had 12,502 new COVID cases in one day, the highest single-day case count since the pandemic began. Governor DeWine says the surging number of cases is worrisome. When I talk to hospital administrators, talk to doctors in hospitals or nurses, they're just absolutely overwhelmed. And so it impacts not just people who have the COVID, not just their families, but if somebody has a heart attack, if somebody is in an auto accident. And locally, Hancock Public Health is urging people to continue taking COVID precautions over the holidays and to get vaccinated if they haven't already. Meantime, the Marion Township trustees will be holding another drive-through COVID-19 test kit giveaway at the Township House, located at 16,003 State Route 568, a little east of Findlay. The free kits will be available today from 2.30 to 5.30 or until supplies run out. The Ohio Department of Health has provided Hancock Public Health an additional supply of the kits in an effort to encourage people to get tested for COVID before attending any Christmas gatherings. As holiday travel ramps up, officials are reminding people to obey the state's move-over law. AAA, the Ohio Department of Transportation, and the Ohio State Highway Patrol met bringing attention to the state's move-over, slow-down law, helping drivers become more aware of roadside responders and keeping them safe this season. When you come across those flashing lights at the roadside, you need to move over or slow down. It's not just a slogan. It's not an inconvenience. It could be the matter of somebody's life or death. AAA predicts more than 4 million across Ohio will travel this week into next, driving 50 miles or more. ONN's Russ Mitchell reporting the Ohio Department of Transportation says 150 of the roadside crews have been hit this year. The Hancock Regional Planning Commission says the Ohio Department of Development has set aside $500,000 for Hancock County to direct towards the demolition of commercial and residential buildings as part of the new Building Demolition and Site Revitalization Program 
Get more details on the new program on our website. And get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Matt Demchek with 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. So it is that time of year when we look back at the past 12 months, look ahead uh, to 2022. Joining us in the studio this morning, Finley Mayor Christina Mern, Economic Development Director Tim Miley. Thank you both for uh, taking the time this morning. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, Mayor Mern, I actually am going to start with you. You're in the uh, process of the uh, you know budgeting and uh, and all of that. I know uh, I was looking at uh, the, some of the preliminary numbers from the uh, auditor and uh, and so on. Where do things stand and what do things look like from your point of view uh, budgeting into uh, 2022? Yeah, so we're very fortunate that our revenue has continued to be strong over the past two years. And I was just looking at the report this morning. Our collections year to date are up about 25%. So mm-hmm. numbers have been strong. And we know there's been a couple of factors in that. So we don't expect that to continue long term. But um, overall, we've been positioned to, as we look look at our budget, our teams continue to manage their budget. And um, I'm really excited for going into next year. Obviously, it's been a lot of discussion around pay increases for our employees, which, you know, in my opinion, needed to happen, and we need to make some adjustments there. But really, long term, the exciting part is going to be the capital projects that you're going to see introduced in early Q1 as we start putting together those plans, because those are the projects that we really see within the community and not just in our daily operations. Kind of uh, lead us to uh, economic development. And uh, Tim, successes of the uh, past year was actually a very good year. The Part of that story tells itself. Top micropolitan area once again. And, uh, you know, some uh, big projects, Amazon and, and others. So, uh, when you look back at the past 12 months, what immediately jumps out to, uh, to you? Pretty much a non-traditional year. Kind of when we started last January when you and I talked, we said, what's going to happen? And yeah, it says it's not going to always be traditional economic development work. And it wasn't. And we did have some wins, RL carriers, Amazon, mm-hmm. some other land that we're preparing in the top micropolitan. But we took a look this past year at leadership change within the community, a lot of flood mitigation work, some education work, like the Center for Advanced Manufacturing. So, Lots of things that happened this year and trying to set us up for a good uh, 2022. That's not to say that there weren't some uh, disappointments. We were talking with uh, Commissioner Bechtel uh, yesterday. We mentioned the uh, mall property and their big plans for that that kind of fell through. Where do things stand uh, with that? Because that continues to be uh, an issue that a lot of people wonder about. It's going to be a real challenge going forward because when the gentleman from New York purchased it, he purchased it as a complete property. Mm -hmm. And now if you would go to the auditor's website, you'd see he sold most of the outlets. So we're no longer looking at that as a complete site. You have the Best Buy side that sold off because they have the lease and mm-hmm. where the big R. It's got a new name. I can't remember what it is, but that sold off. So you basically have that middle section that is an opportunity for development. So you know, I don't know what's going to go out there. There's non-traditional uses, restaurants, entertainment mm-hmm. venues. Uh, we've toyed around with the idea of housing. I don't know if that will work there anymore because you still have retail on each side. Mm-hmm. But what I know is not going to be a traditional soft goods mall. Yeah. Um, with that in mind, when you look ahead now, 2022, what are the goals? What's on, uh, on your list uh, well, for t- the new year? First thing that we're trying to do is actually try to hire somebody <laughs> like everybody else <laughs> yeah. because the pipeline is so full. We've got more projects than we've ever had. So the theme for next year is project management and how do we handle that and how do we determine which leads we want to go after, which ones we may not want to go after. And we have a lot of retention and expansion projects coming up. So We've got kind of running the day-to-day business that we're working on, and that new hire will help us work on on marketing. But the other thing we're going to continue to focus on is housing, and we're going to look at that across the board. We're trying to rehab houses that may be delinquent. 
we've completed a study this year. We know which houses need work, and we're trying to address that with developers. We're trying to stand up a land bank. We're trying to attract residential development. But if you take a look at where the numbers were of employment pre-pandemic, we had about 46,000 people employed in Hancock County. We've bounced back quickly, but we're still about 2,000 people short of where we were. Mm-hmm. And so we need people, and the, the best way to get them is to attract them to live to the community. I know a lot of focus on for a number of people looking at the County Road 99 interchange up there. That it, right. that whole area was announced that ODOT's going to do the diverging diamond right. project there. You were saying that probably won't happen in the coming year. So that we're, actual... we're, in, we're in design, but okay. we look at that as a corridor. So if you look from County Road 236 all the way west to County Road 140. So mm-hmm. the Divergent Diamond will be 23, but we have lots of projects lined up from residential development to commercial development, industrial development that will all be announced or breaking ground next year that will all be part of the design of the Divergent Diamond because I have to take a look at the capacities. Do we need traffic signals, turning lanes, one way in, one way out? And so we've been planning this whole thing. So you're going to really see a lot of momentum begin with the construction and coordination happening in 23. So a lot of uh, stuff that's going to be happening on the uh, north side. And, and I just want to add real quick, I hope to someday change the name of County Road 99 to something else because one of the things the mayor and I have been working on is branding the community so people that are either passing by or coming here mm-hmm. have a sense of what Finley's all about. Yeah, uh, and I was going to mention a lot of what Tim talks about is there's a lot of overlap in terms of uh, city goals uh, heading into 2022, I'd imagine. For sure. You know, as as Tim talks about the rebranding of, you know, 99 and 75 and really the community as a whole, one thing that I hear frequently from people when I talk to them across the country is, um, oh, Finley, um, you, you guys have, you know, the flags um, or we, the Pioneer Sugar Towers. And I was like, well, how, have you ever been into the community? And mm-hmm. so we really want to figure out how we can help draw folks into the community because we hear time and time again, once people come into the community, then they love it, they've experienced it. And so how can we help do that? But there is a lot, you know, all these infrastructure projects take a lot of, um, you know, and all the development projects take a lot of planning and coordination between the city um, and economic development and developers to, one, have good policy and process that they can work through. Mm-hmm clear information um, but also you know a willingness to work with them and give feedback and say well we have a concern about that Um, we'd like to see this here are the areas that we feel like are going to best work from a community standpoint Um, you know a lot of the projects that that Tim's office works on and that you know the city helps support it takes you know many years before these things come together so as we're looking at you know my office I'm talking to the city engineer and and Rob Martin my service safety director to say what are our gateway plans what are the things that we need to be doing to get people into our community then how does that feed out and kind of trickle Mm -hmm. into the community as a whole so the biggest thing that I always want to tell people is there's a lot of behind the scenes work that happens with any project that occurs or, you know, whether it be just a road repaving or an infrastructure or a larger development. And the other thing is that a lot of the work that, you know, I do on a daily basis, but really I know Tim has focused on in the last two years is supporting our existing businesses. Yeah, getting new businesses is great. That's, you know, wonderful. We want to continue to do that. You need to continue to have a growing economy. Um, but it's also growing our economy through our local businesses. And we've seen mm-hmm. a lot of success 
success um, from our local establishments needing to grow. I know Whirlpool's been doing some significant investment. I know Valfarm's mm-hmm. going to be doing some significant investment. So right. how do we support them and continue to create an environment that keeps us competitive? And, and you should point out, obviously, uh, economic development involves Hancock County. It's Hancock yeah. County, uh, but there is so much uh, you know, coordination within the within the city in terms of you know city services and, and all of that. So there really is a, a great deal but of... Majority of, majority of business is clearly in the city. Yeah. But if you take a look at where we're going and what we've been working on with the city and the county and the townships is the growth of our economy is clearly going to be on the north side of town. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean for infrastructure and annexations and revenue sharing agreements and all these different things? Mm-hmm. Because if we don't have that in line from an economic development perspective, it creates a risk for investors if we don't have a clear path. So that's why we work so closely with the city and the county and townships and schools. And we talk about this Finley formula all the time, mm-hmm. but that's really what it is. And that's why we are always ready for people. You know, our, our, we don't talk about it too much, but our actually slogan for our office, we're ready for you. And that it's not always just about, hey, we have land that's ready for you. It's we actually have a community that is prepared and be able to streamline. And when they took a look, take a look at city planning commission, it's amazing how many companies come through and they say, well, what's next? And we're like, oh, you're done. You went through your city planning commission, worked with engineering and safety. And a lot of other communities, it's a three-year process. Here, mm-hmm. it's a 60 to 90-day process. Yes. Uh, so we spend a lot of time talking about economic development because obviously that's a, <laughs> a, a big part of uh, the, the story. Yeah. Aside from aside from that, for the city, uh, what are you looking at uh, moving ahead to uh, 2022? You know, 2022, we're going to be breaking ground on the Strick Center, which will be exciting. We were fortunate that we had a number of local businesses step up and support that project as well as receiving about $750,000 from the state, which will be great to get that up and running. Um, Obviously working to kind of um, invest the ARPA dollars, that will be primarily probably into infrastructure projects and um, hopefully a couple of community projects, but you know, $4 million on on, uh, infrastructure and roads and different things like that goes very quickly. (laughs) When, again, we were talking with uh, Commissioner Bechtel uh, Mm -hmm. yesterday and uh, obviously one of the uh, big uh, items at least up for discussion in 2022 is going to be uh, what to do about uh, jail space mm-hmm. and, the, and, and the jail. How involved will the city be in those conversations? Yeah, the city's going to be very involved. Obviously, this conversation around um, jail and inmate concerns has really been since, since the early 2000s, and mm-hmm. we have not um, made enough progress to really start having a game plan on how we're going to address it as a community. So with some of the recent news, um, the city of Finley has decided that we're going to kind of uh, – start getting more proactive and so we are reaching out to other counties to contract with them to be able to house our inmates directly rather than going through the Hancock County Jail at this point though we will still that'll be our primary um, source but kind of finding other alternatives to try to clean up that list but we will definitely be having conversations in Q1 I'm starting to put together kind of a communication plan and we'll be scheduling a meeting with other local and county officials to start talking about a community alternative sentencing center so a lower level you know lower cost facility mm-hmm. and then what do the needs what are the true needs over the next you know 10 20 30 years that we need to work towards but in my opinion we need to start kind of address the immediate need with a long-term game plan. So, you know, we're going to be talking about that in the next year. Oh, for sure. (laughs) And 
excuse me, uh, circling uh, back, we mentioned the uh, the budget. There is one line uh, or item of concern uh, with the budget, and that is uh, in the projections for the next couple of years, you're looking at deficit spending. Uh, how concerning is that, and when does it become a concerning uh, yeah, issue? Yeah, so we, we've had a deficit spend projection for the last five, if not longer, years. So that's nothing new to my team. <clears throat> I think the biggest thing is um, – we really watch, you know, on a daily basis, our, our finances, and we're getting reports on a weekly basis on what our revenues look like. My team's talking all the time about how they're looking compared to their budget. Um, so I think the biggest thing is that we will make any adjustments when we feel like we're starting to see the need to adjust. So my goal is one, always to break even or add money back, which we've been fortunate to do over the last couple mm-hmm. of years. <clears throat> I would expect that we're going to continue to be able to adjust long term um, so that we can break even. And if we have to do a little bit of deficit spending, spending, I think that that is not something I expect in the near future. I think that that'll be as we see, you know, economic um, kind of retraction a little bit. Uh, we will leave it there. Uh, again, Finley Mayor Christina Mern, Economic Development Director Tim Miley. Looking back on 2021, ahead to 2022. Thank you both for taking the time. Yeah, we appreciate Merry it. Christmas. You're welcome. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Well, of course, for a lot of families, it's been a couple of years since they could get together to celebrate. And if you are the parent of a child who is either maybe a little shy or uh, the exact opposite, uh, you may be concerned about uh, navigating those rebooted holiday get-togethers so that everyone has a good time. Claire Lerner is a psychotherapist specializing in young children and families with some advice for us this morning. And Claire, let me ask you this. When we talk about these first holiday gatherings in a couple of years, uh, is there a big concern that maybe kids, especially young kids, might have maybe forgotten their manners since they haven't really done this for a while? Well, yeah, Chris, that's definitely a factor, but I would say that, you know, having done this work for over three decades with families, even pre-pandemic, sometimes holiday gatherings can be overwhelming for children and, you know, make them more anxious, make them, um, you know, withdraw or alternatively more excitable. So Mm -hmm. now you have a situation where you add to that the fact that many of these kids have not had these kinds of large gatherings. And so now you also have their, you know, finding their sea legs as well in being in more social gatherings than they might have been, you know, certainly in the last year and a half. Yeah. So uh, you have a number of things that uh, families can do uh, ahead of the big day. Um, And first and foremost, you say uh, having a conversation with your child and also with other family members is a good place to start. Right, exactly. So a lot of it is managing expectations, right? Because it's the expectation gap when we want or expect our child to be, you know, super effusive to grandma and give her a big hug and regale her with all the exciting things she's doing. You want to remind yourself that 
that may not happen and that there's nothing wrong with that. Like your child is not misbehaving. They're just showing you that they may need a little time to reconnect. They may be overwhelmed. You may need to give them some tools to help them feel comfortable. So you want to help both your child prepare by helping them imagine what is going to happen, help make sort of what feels amorphous, more concrete. So, you know, reminding them of who they're going to see, showing them pictures of families, friends, and relatives, reminding them of times that they've engaged happily together, um, knowing where they're going to be physically, what kind of food might be there. All of those things can go a very long way in reducing kids' anxiety. And then at the same time, you want to prepare the other adults in your world. So maybe your parents, your siblings, and sort of mediating the experience. And in ways, for example, like, you know what, Chris is an amazing kid, but he's a little slow to warm up, meaning it takes him some time. He's not a jump right in kid. He adores you guys. He's so excited to see you, but he can get overwhelmed. And so we're going to bring some books and some toys and a great way to begin to engage with him is giving him some space and maybe starting to read a fun book that he likes or to play with a toy and let him come to you. So you're both managing your child's expectations while you're also helping the adults in your world understand what makes your child tick, what to expect and what they can do to make their kids feel more comfortable. So it really comes down to empathy on your part and on the part of other adults in the family to understand exactly, you know, what the a child is is going through and along those same lines you say uh, you know kind of brainstorming with your kid uh to get some strategies for coping if they are overwhelmed and either prone to withdrawing or uh, acting out the other extreme exactly exactly it's all about preparation and um and Managing your own anxiety is something else I would mention because often for those of us parents who may have kids who have a harder time in group situations, we tend to feel a lot of anxiety. We're worried about judgment from our family. And so we sort of get revved up and reactive and might say things to our child like, remember, you know, you need to give grandpa a hug or you need to play really nicely with your cousins. Like we get anxious and we project that onto our kids, which usually ends up increasing their own anxiety, right? They start to feel your anxiety. They start to sense there are all these expectations and it has the opposite effect of what the parent is really angling for. You want to see it that if I can prepare and not see my child's behavior as missed behavior, but as just having a difficult time coping in this situation, then I can relax. I can give him some tools yeah. and I can be prepared. So when you go into your family's home, you might say to your child, there are many ways to say hello, right? You can wave, you can blow a kiss, you can offer auntie a book and ask her to read it with you. So you problem solve with them ways to be in that situation, which eases both your child's anxiety and your anxiety. Yeah, uh, there's such a, a good point. It, it's probably only natural to 
and and I know as a parent myself, uh, I, I found myself uh, many times in that situation where your your first instinct is to uh, lecture the the child or kind of uh, snap at the child, and obviously we don't want to do that, and that's only going to make the uh, problem worse. And then you also bring a, a good point, which I think is worth uh, underscoring: um, having all of these advanced conversations and sort of this advanced planning is going to help put you at ease, uh, which means you're less likely to lash out in, in that direction and, uh, or in that way. And, uh, it's going to make it lower your stress level as well. Exactly. And that it's such an important point because kids pick up on our emotional state. And if we're anxious, then they become more anxious. So you want your tone and your communications to sound something like this. You know, Chris, we're going to grandma's. This is going to be a gathering where there will be a lot of people. And I know that that can feel uncomfortable sometimes. I'm your person. I'm your helper. I'm going to help you figure out how to be in that situation in a way that makes you feel comfortable. So if you can do that, you are, you know, commuting, communicating such important things to your child, right? I've got you. Right. I'm not judging you. Um, and I'm there to be your helper, and that can reduce everybody's anxiety. Now, it's worth pointing out that this is great advice, whether we're talking about uh, Christmas gatherings or really any holiday or special day, any type of family gathering uh, at, at any time of the year. Let me ask you this. Does it make a difference if the gathering is at someone else's house or at your own home, which is naturally going to be more familiar for the child? Right. Well, it's an interesting question, Chris, and it, it really raises this very important foundational issue, which is that every child is different and they experience things differently. So for some kids, being in their safe space home is going to reduce anxiety. They are going to feel more in control for sure. But sometimes it actually is harder in some ways because people are in their space, right? They feel maybe a little intruded upon. They may have a harder time sharing with their cousins because mm. they feel you know, proprietary over their things. Um, and so it, it really it varies from child to child. And that's why and, it's very important to do the preparation, yeah, right? So uh, your cousins are going to be here. Let's talk about what are going to be some sharing toys and what are the toys that you don't have to share, but that we need to put away because they can't be out and part of the group if we're not willing to share. So you problem solve with your child and you might say, if you need a break, no problem. Your room is your safe space. If you need to go there and spend some time on your own, no problem. If we're at, you know, auntie's house, um, let's talk about a safe place you can go where you need to regroup and you work that out with your sister. You say, my child sometimes gets overwhelmed. He yeah. may get overexcited. He may need a break. So you want to be mindful of the situation and then tune into what you know about your child and then make a plan because it's absent the plan that things go off the rails, right? The incident happens, parents get anxious, they get revved up and reactive, the child escalates. So it's all about then, planning yeah. 
Right. Yeah, then you've got a mess uh, on, on your hands. So that's exactly what we want to avoid. So really important point the, to have uh, to, to make these preparations, have these conversations, regardless of whether you're going somewhere else or whether family is coming to your house. Uh, again, Claire Lerner is a psychotherapist specializing in young children and families with some advice for these holiday gathering reboots and uh, making them as comfortable as possible for your children. You've got more information at your website, right? Exactly. Yes. Learner Child Development. I've got tons of blogs and resources. I have a new book out you can explore. Um, I'm there to really help parents, you know, make these years full of joy and less stress. Claire, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Of course. Thank you, Chris. Happy holidays. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Uh, police in California responded to a most unusual burglary call in Bel Air the other day. Uh, officers got a call of a what they call a hot prowl burglar, burglary, which is uh, one in which... Uh, not only the perpetrator, but the victim is actually inside the home. So this is they just, you know go rushing over to this uh, home in Bel Air and uh, arrested a 28 year old uh, suspect uh, who had uh, broken in, taken a shower, smoked a cigar, and made himself a drink. <laughs> he just came in and made himself at home. Uh, it is unclear how the man got in or if anything was actually stolen. They don't, it wasn't really <laughs> burglary in the sense that he <laughs> used used the uh, homeowner's water and helped himself to a cigar and <laughs> in the liquor cabinet. But other than that, not really a whole lot going on. Uh, they're still trying to figure out the uh, details of the whole thing. But <laughs> I didn't want to take anything. I just needed a shower, wanted a drink. That's it. That's what it is. Uh, elsewhere in the uh, broken news, a Pennsylvania man has been arrested uh, and accused of leaving the scene of an accident. 63-year-old Samuel Dennis Hummel uh, was a driver uh, believed to have committed a hit and run and uh, made no attempt to uh, contact police. He was, he was identified and caught after he dropped off his six-year-old child who was covered in glass at <laughs> school. <laughs> I can imagine the uh, teachers of the uh, school. What are you? Uh, why are you covered in glass? Uh, fortunately, it doesn't look like the uh, child was seriously injured. Mister Hummel uh, has been uh, charged with a hit and run. So <laughs> that's usually a pretty good giveaway. The kid dropped it off at school, covered with glass from the accident. I had to leave the scene. I was late getting her to school. Uh, Pittsburgh police had to call in a SWAT team to the Hazelwood neighborhood uh, after a man uh, apparently tried to attack his girlfriend. 30-year-old uh, Marcus Cuevi uh, grabbed his girlfriend, threatened to kill her and her roommate. Um, he eventually left the home at first, but then came back and broke in through the fire escape. The girl and the roommate uh, hid in the basement until a police arrived and took the suspect into custody after a brief standoff. Apparently, what started the whole melee uh, 
was when the man's girlfriend's roommate would not share her beer with him. Well, that is perfectly understandable, I guess. Now, understand the story behind this. <laughs> wow. A response from the SWAT team and a standoff all over a can of beer. That's uh, some holiday-themed uh, stories in the broken news. A search is underway for a real-life Grinch in Sarasota County, Florida. Deputies say a woman is wanted for stealing holiday decorations from at least four homes in the Lake Sarasota and Gross, uh, Grove Point neighborhoods. Stealing holiday decorations. I mean, what are we coming to in this country? She was spotted... Should be easy to find. She was spotted driving an SUV decked out with antlers and a red nose. <laughs> uh, police have posted surveillance images online uh, of both the vehicle and the woman, and they are asking for help in identifying who it might be. <laughs> this doesn't seem quite like Santa, but it's interesting in the UK... Residents uh, started finding candy canes on their property. Just randomly, you know, random candy canes on uh, various properties. Initially, nobody could explain where it was coming from or who was leaving it. And eventually, the culprit was caught on camera. Security video revealed it was actually two people, one dressed up as a gingerbread version of Santa and one dressed up as a Christmas tree. <laughs> and they've been leaving treats uh, all over this town. One resident say the kids think it's really funny and that Santa is having them delivered. Residents haven't figured out who is wearing the costumes uh, or exactly what is motivating them, but they're pretty sure it's uh, someone local. That's about all we know at this point. <laughs> That's kind of nice, though. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, in the spirit of uh, making this officially the most crappy Christmas... <laughs> we keep hearing that, you know, resurgence of the uh, coronavirus is going to be another COVID Christmas and all of this. Man, that's just crappy. Well, a neighborhood in Arizona has adorned its homes and yards with holiday decor, including a seven and a half foot tall porta potty fully decked out for the holidays. <laughs> Kirk Erickson of Gilbert, Arizona, started the tradition of decorating the big blue bathroom after a neighbor who was having a pool built last year, had one plopped onto their street for the construction crew. Scared that would put a damper on the Christmas cheer, he enlisted the help of his neighbors to help with the decor. <laughs> they, they decked out the portage on, and now it has become a tradition. <laughs> Mr. Erickson uh, tells local news reporters, every morning I wake up and two or three more strands have been added to the... <laughs> the whole neighborhood is making the otherwise crappy Christmas uh, even crappier in this case. So, <laughs> Hey, you know when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. And that's what they're doing, apparently, uh, with respect to the crappy holiday. There you go. Uh, that is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the hot and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. 
It's a musical tradition. Chip Davis, the founder and musical director of Mannheim Steamroller, presents a coast-to-coast broadcast of Mannheim Steamrollers, an American Christmas. Chip Davis of Mannheim Steamroller here. Join us for all the warmth, music, and happiness of an old-fashioned American Christmas. An American Christmas begins Christmas Eve at 5 p.m. on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. New survey conducted by one poll on behalf of Pure Romance, which is a company that specializes in uh, adult novelties, shall we say. Uh, Look to uncover how the holiday magic follows couples into the bedroom. (laughs) 77% in this survey. I thought this was really interesting. I mean, you know... A little racy here, Uh, but it is interesting. 77% of uh, couples agree that festive uh, holiday intimacy is more magical than intimacy at any other time of the year. It's just more magical during the holiday seasons. Like everything else, it's just more magical at Christmas time. (laughs) Now, that being said, 52% of those respondents say that they uh, are intimate with their partner less often during the holidays. Even though it's more magical, they're doing it less. Um, That's not to say that people aren't making an effort to be intimate. Compared to other times during the year, 69% of uh, those in the poll are more likely to sneak in a quickie (laughs) during the holiday season than the the rest of the year. When asked what factors decrease their sex life during the holidays, The top deterrents include being too busy, spending time with family and friends, 67% said that, 60% 60 said the stress of the holiday season impacts their uh, ability to get in the mood. They're just too stressed out. And 57% said it's because they're not getting enough sleep with everything going on. So, again, I think a lot of us can relate to that. One of the most interesting uh, items here in the uh, survey, uh, although most respondents plan to uh, <clears throat> be intimate in their parents' home, but they're visiting for the holidays, you know, sleep, sleeping over in their old bedroom at, uh, at the house, <laughs> 67% say that uh, having uh, intimate relations with, even with a spouse in their old bedroom in their parents' house just feels uncomfortable. <laughs> say, "Mm, just doesn't feel right somehow. Well, before you know it, we will be turning our attention to those New Year's resolutions. And one of the most popular is always the goal of getting active and adopting healthier habits. So joining us this morning are Dr. Eduardo Sanchez, the Chief Medical Officer for Prevention at the American Heart Association, and Teddy Savage, Head of Health and Fitness Excellence for Planet Fitness. And Dr. Sanchez, I'll start with you. We all know that these resolutions are set every year with the best of intentions, but sticking to them becomes a challenge. Would you say that's going to be even more of a challenge uh, with so many people trying to get back into a normal routine after a year and a half, year and a half of COVID? I would say realistic resolutions are ones that are realizable. So uh, 
I think that maybe we should just uh, be more realistic about the resolutions we put in place, which could and should include being more physically active. And it's not too early to start now to also get ahead of the curve yeah. so that when it's resolution time, you can already say, whoa, I've been doing that. Physical activity is good for physical health for sure. But what people don't know is that it's also great for brain health. Um, it's a stress reducer. It helps our disposition and it can ward off things like depression. And boy, don't we need that after the past year and a half. And uh, again, you mentioned the word realistic, probably more important than ever to make sure that those goals are realistic this year. Uh, again, given everything else that we're trying to get back to normal after uh, everything we've been through. What are some of the things that folks can do to get themselves on that uh, healthy track? Yeah, well, hey, Chris, I can, I can help you out there. Uh, just making sure that we make every day a daily habit of being consistent, right? Just doing 1% more today than you've done the day before and finding minutes throughout your day to move your body in a dynamic fashion. It doesn't take 60 to 90 minutes. You don't need bulky equipment. All you have to do is find moments to move your body. And when you do that over a period of time consistently, you will have profound benefits. What are some of the what are some of the things that we can do to just get that started? You talk about getting ahead of the uh, of the curve and starting now so that we hit the new year running as it were. What are some of those things again because you say it, it doesn't take the fancy equipment, it doesn't, you know, mean a, a, a huge commitment. So what are some of those small things that we can do to get that started? You don't even have to hit the ground running. Uh, I think Teddy and I would agree you can hit the ground walking. Um, <laughs> yeah. and so with that I think Walking, starting small. I'm going to hand it over to, to Teddy. The science is real clear. A little bit is better than nothing, and a little bit more is a better than a little bit less. And if you just take small chunks, smart, uh, start small, uh, start um, um, realistically, and I think Teddy is going to say engage other people, um, uh, just the benefits that accrue are just unbelievable. Absolutely. And just to piggyback off of what Dr. Eduardo just said, Right. It doesn't have to be too much too soon. As a matter of fact, just any step towards your health and wellness is a positive step and should be excitable for your progress. Right. And then secondly, do some dynamic stretches as soon as you wake up in the morning, Chris, bending reaches, dumping jacks. It's an oldie but goodie. Find minutes throughout the day to add strength and you can use whatever you have at your disposal. Canned goods, milk jugs, functional accessories. And then lastly, make fitness fun. Be creative. Think outside the box. Do concepts that you've never done before. Bring a friend in. Do some partner exercises and discover your greatest potential and enjoy the journey while you do it. Uh, lastly, I want to ask you about this because obviously we're in the middle of the, the winter season. And uh, so we've got a couple, three more months uh, of this kind of uh, of weather where you know one of the handicaps we have, especially in this part of the country, is it's not always real easy uh, to get out and get active and so on. So what are some of your uh, top uh, winter wellness tips uh, that we can keep in mind for the entirety of the season? Well, what I would suggest is firstly, if it's cold outside, Turn the heat up indoors by getting some cardiovascular exercises done. High knees, run in place, squat jumps. After you do that, I want you to make sure you stretch your body out, right? Stretching not only helps with flexibility, but can improve recovery as well. And then lastly, improve your balance and stability by doing some core exercises. 
You don't need to go outside. If the temperature is too low, you can do a lot of core movements from the friendly confines of your own home. Again, Dr. Eduardo Sanchez is Chief Medical Officer for Prevention at the American Heart Association. Teddy Savage is Head of Health and Fitness Excellence for Planet Fitness. And where do we get more information? Uh, One place to go is heart.org. Lots of information on heart health, heart disease and stroke. Heart.org, move more. Has some tips on how to do some of the very things that uh, Teddy was talking about doing indoors during these winter times. You can also go to planetfitness.com or better yet, download our free Planet Fitness app for more information and great workout tips. Guys, thank you very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks. You as well, Chris. Thank you. And that will wrap up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program once again. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. Check us out online at goodmornings.net. That's our final podcast for the year 2021. No podcast tomorrow, and we're going to be taking next week off between Christmas and New Year's. I hope you'll join us for... The next all-new Good Mornings podcast edition on Monday, January 3rd, 2022. So, until the new year, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. A Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. We'll see you in 2022.